This is the Horse Radio Network. How much do you really know about the supply chain issues affecting businesses, including those in the horse industry? We break it down with the owners of two of our favorite equestrian brands. Jess's old college roommate joins us for some laughs, and we find a way to squeeze horse poop into the conversation. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 92 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey guys, what's new? So Jess, you guys are like home based now, right? Like all of your traveling has come to an end for the rest of the year. We've come to an end in horse shows, but yes, we like to still travel, of course, but you know, we can't sit still more than like a hot second. So, but yes, we're all wrapped up with the horse shows and happy to just be settling in and actually enjoying the farm. And it's like so nice to be home, honestly. I'm sure. Gosh, you guys have like had literally the most whirlwind year of anybody I can think of. <laughs> I feel like it's like always something. And I'm like, oh, we actually like get to organize and like we'll have Christmas. We're actually going to stay here for Christmas. So I'm so excited. So that all of the great. above. Yeah. What about you, Ellie? How's the farm? Are you frozen? It has started snowing. So that's stop it. It started snowing already. Yeah. But the issue is, the ground's not frozen. So the mud right now is <gasps> so gross. Berkeley just lost a shoe yesterday. I put it <sighs> back today. And it's, of course, winter shoes with snow pads and studs. So I'm out, you know, 50 bucks. A lot of money. Yeah. Because I can't, if I could find it, then it would be free. But I can't find it because it's like a foot in the ground. So oh, no. That's yeah. annoying. So I'm ready for, also I have to keep wiping my dog's feet every time they come in the house because they're getting all muddy. It's just, I'm ready for it to freeze. Yeah. I never thought I would actually say that. <laughs> I'm yeah, we'll, we'll circle back to you in like a couple of months and see if you still feel that way. So. <laughs> I know. I think we should bring this up later and be like, do you want the mud or the, <laughs> the cold? This episode is brought to you by Green Flower Botanicals. So I have a fun drink for everybody. I do love a really good margarita, so I can't wait. I actually am not going to lie. I only saw this one, so I can't wait to try it, but I wanted everybody to kind of try it with me because, I don't know, it sounds pretty interesting and sounds like more of like a fallish drink, so I might have to like swing back around and try it, and I'd love to hear everybody else's takes on it. It's an apple cider margarita, and... Mm. Yeah, it sounds like really kind of fall good, really fun drink. So I want everybody to try it and like get on the Facebook group and let me know what you think because I will definitely try it and let you guys know. So with this one, you do like a big picture of it basically and you do a cup and a half of tequila, two cups of apple cider, then you do three quarters cup triple sec or I love in my margaritas is to use the Contro. And then you do three quarters cup of lime juice and three big handfuls of ice. Basically put that all in a big pitcher and pour it for all your friends. That sounds so fun. Yeah, I've actually, I, I used this recipe recently. You have? 
Yeah, I had some girlfriends over for like dinner. They came over, like I made some food and stuff, and I made this, and everybody loved it. It's good. I you gotta it. like tequila though. Yeah, but like that's a margarita, right? Like right, right. And but it's I feel like if you use good tequila, it doesn't. It helps the margarita. I usually like like a white, you know, not high high end tequila, but like not bottom shelf. And I usually use like a white tequila and stuff like this. So I'm like super excited to try it. I saw it and was like, this looks like so fun as like a fall drink. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I did like, um, I did the rim like, but I did like a cinnamon spice, like sugar rim with them. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. They're fun. They're fun for like a, you know, like a little party. I just think it's funny because like, yeah, it's so timely for this time of the year. And Matt and I went to Texas Roadhouse. We haven't gone out to dinner in like a year and we got a gift card and I got a like a mango frozen margarita and it's like (laughs) 30 degrees outside. (laughs) Everybody's shaking and I'm like, this is great. (laughs) I'm not sure I could do the frozen margarita. I like the ones on the ice, like on the rocks. Um, That's like my way. The frozen gives me brain freeze. That's what, well, you don't drink it that fast. You savor it. <laughs> Must be doing that wrong. <laughs> All right, Jess, what do you got for news? I have, it's been a bit of a controversy. I mean, this whole year, I feel like keeps having controversial stuff with the USCF and national federations and FEI. And I have another one to bring to the table because now this year, after the Tokyo Olympics, there was not just in the eventing, the show jumpers were also not pleased as a consensus of a whole that no one really liked that three-person format that they did. And Mm -hmm. I get why they did it because they wanted more nations and teams to come around and more flags to be able to represent in the Olympics, which makes sense. But at the same time, they also wanted to keep it the short numbers for airtime and, you know, the amount of TV time you can have and everything. Well, so at that point, especially you saw it in the show jump world, you don't get a drop score. And so it ends up a lot of people ended up feeling like they pushed their horses and had to feel like they, you know, show their horses or a lot of teams weren't even able to fill a whole team because of, yes, Tokyo was a little weird because you had to quarantine before and do all of that. But like there were the show jumpers I saw it the most is like, they weren't able to fill teams because the horse got hurt while traveling, but they didn't have another one in pre-export quarantine. So they couldn't even fill a whole team because they didn't send multiple people because it was expensive. And normally you get to show four horses and get a drop score. So all four at least get to compete here. They're asking you to send four horses, but one not compete and there's no drop score. So it has become this big controversy that all these federations are saying, look, we need to go back to the four person team because it's actually a horse welfare issue because they're is a situation where you feel pressured as an athlete to keep riding your horse to finish the team where maybe you would make better judgment calls and say, look, I'm not running this horse because it's not in its best interest and someone else can jump in ahead. But now they didn't have that. And I think a lot of it is due to the pandemic and due to the way they had to do the pre-expert quarantine. So I think it's a lot of a mess in the situation, but I think And and it is nicer to know you have a drop score so that you can not push the horses to go fast on cross country. You know, you have that leeway that maybe there is it. 
So, I mean, I get both sides of wanting more people, but I think it's kind of a cluster. And so the FEI and the national federations are kind of butting heads on what they want. And there are some nations wanting to say, like, we're not even going to show up if you have three members. So they're now, I mean, we'll see. This is just threatening things, but we'll see. They're supposed to do uh, a meeting in the next couple weeks and coming months to kind of see what's going to happen for Paris. So stay tuned because it's always something. So <laughs> now everybody's just, this is the latest thing is that they're not happy with the three format. And I don't think it worked in the best interest of the horses or the riders. So I, I do hope they go back to the four. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we saw some of that in the Olympics this year where yeah. just, Oh, a hundred percent, you know, some of it was like, Ooh, you know, it was, could be tough to watch. So yeah, hopefully they can take all of those examples into account when they're rethinking this a hundred percent. So with the jumps being like a true height, I mean, those were massive. Yeah. The first yeah. time, long time. I feel like the Olympics had, you know, that many full height. And, and, and all of it and both the show jumping and, and the eventing and the eventing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all 100%. So it's not affecting the dressage as much. And so maybe they keep it for the dressage. So we'll see. Maybe maybe they tweak it for everything or maybe they find a way. I mean, I think they're just still playing with, you know, this is the first time they've put the three riders into play like mm-hmm. that with no drop score. So maybe there's a middle ground that they can come up with. Right. So, Ellie, what do you have? Okay. So I'm going to try really hard to explain this properly because some of it was above my head, but horse poop guys (laughs) as a home heating source. Wait, wait, what? Okay. So in June of this year in Italy, this scientist did a study with four different um, stables. And what, what I think is crazy is, do you guys know that there's 800 million metric tons of horse manure produced throughout the year annually. I mean, I that's guess kinda, that makes sense. They poop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's all. I mean, like I, I feel like I personally, not me, <laughs> not like, me, my horses, I feel like personally probably make enough of that, especially Matt's horse poops like enormous. Anyway. So during the, they did four staples. And they tested manure that was stored inside, stored outside, stored for days, and stored for years. And they looked at the moisture level and the fuel. Because as manure gets older, it loses its carbon, which is what would make it a good heating source. But it also takes forever to dry. I mean, anybody who's ever had a manure pile knows this. I mean, you turn a manure pile, even if it's been untouched for years and it'll still steam, you know? So, but they talked about that manure kind of, once it's dry, has equivalent to promising biofuels like elephant grass. And it's only slightly lower than traditional wood logs for actual burning and heating. But there are some drawbacks because we have to find a way to better manage manure piles so they're not as dense, so we can let the heat in and keep the water out. Also, there's issues with what we feed our horses. So like high salts and diets can have high concentrations of chlorine and or sulfur in the manure. So that actually 
leads to faster corrosion of furnaces and other metal equipment. And then also the high ratio of nitrogen, which is, they said, as much as 2%. And since nitrogen oxide, which comes from ammonia, so we're talking horse pee, has a greenhouse gas that contributes to global warming. So that would, they'd have to figure out how to get that out, lower the nitrogen levels in manure, like stable management that reduces ammonia buildup before actually burning it. But it's a really cool study and you guys should totally check it out. We'll leave the notes in the show notes here for how to get to it. But the scientists in Italy, its goal is to take manure directly from the stable into the furnace, which if that ever happens in my lifetime, that would be really convenient for me. <laughs> Just throw it right. Right. I could throw that far. Hit my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just it sounds complicated, right? Like there's no easy way right now. We would we would have to like there are a lot of factors that go into it, but that is interesting, you know. Yeah, and it's good I think for someone to actually think about utilizing it. I mean, if we're producing that much, mm-hmm. you know, as a you know entire world, you know, that think about how many countries that could help, and you know, it'll it'll depend on to the different laws for different countries and everything like that, but definitely a a neat idea. Interesting. What do you have, Justine? All right. So I got more USCF problems. Um, I feel like their (laughs) list is getting pretty long. (laughs) So unrelated to the Olympics, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this news yet, but the Sonoma Horse Park is the latest horse show venue that has said they're not going to run any U.S. Equestrian Federation rated shows in 2022. And the reason for this is they are not happy with the mileage rule. So obviously we saw kind of how this blew up with the New World Equestrian Center facility in Ocala and the mileage rule and it's in the back and forth that they went through with USCF when they opened and eventually WEC decided to just stick with the National Snaffle Bit Association. Well, Sonoma is saying that, you know, they've been having issues getting approval with USCF due to the mileage rule and that they had one show date approved with USCF for next year without a mileage conflict. And then they had another date approved under a mileage exemption, quote unquote, request, according to the USCF. I, you know, and I feel like in these sort of situations, like everybody's disappointed, right? So one, the USCF isn't getting a sanctioned show at this very nice venue. Two, you know, the horse park can't run a recognized USCF show for their clients. And three, how, you know, what does this mean for for us, the you know, the people who actually horse show? To me, I think it's great that horse show venues are are kind of sticking up for themselves, you know, and and what they need to make the bottom line work for them and their clients and and who they want to attract to their horse, you know, to their venues for horse shows. But, and I, and I feel like more competition from other associations isn't a bad thing, but I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious to see how this is all going to play out in the long run. Do you guys have thoughts? Well, and I think it's a little different with the Sonoma is, I mean, it's very similar to WEC, honestly, in a different situation. Like, they right. had those dates is the problem. Sonoma did. They had mm-hmm. the dates and they had plenty of them, if I'm not wrong. And they applied for the dates again, but the person that held the licensing dates left Sonoma and moved to this other venue. And so that's where I think it's very hard is like, 
they've already run great events. Now that right. they're like known that for facility their events. has, yeah. they're known for it. And so now that their licensing person left is what I think I read somewhere is that like their licensing person left. And so I think that what happened was, is they left. And so they're like, okay, well, we still want to have our dates. And they're like, oh no, no, your dates got moved here. And they're like, no, no, but we're still a fantastic facility. And I think everybody needs some way to get along and figure it out because I don't think it is fair for the competitors. And this is something that's totally like not in my wheelhouse. I mean, it's in California where we don't go and compete there. So it's like, but we see it. It's now a trickle down effect throughout the whole country. And it's going to keep happening where new venues want to come in and older venues are still there. And just because that new venue has put in like WEC or any of these other places, there's a number of them that want to do it, I think, for the show jumping, especially, you know, for just a USCF thing, there's got to be a way that they can all work together. And I think it's, everyone's just fighting. And I think at some point, everybody's just got to like, call it quits and sit down and actually have adult conversations on how to get this fixed and how they can both work together. And I think it's now this whole pissing match that's out of control. Right. So their CEO at Sonoma, Howard Herman, said that the mileage rule creates two problems for their venue. They have to reapply for mileage exemption exemptions every year so that, you know, in the past they've host, you know, youth championships, junior hunter finals. And if they have to reapply for that every year, you know, that creates some financial insecurity for them, I guess. You know, how do you plan these big events if you if you don't know if you're going to get them, if you have to reapply every year. So I, I totally understand that, but yeah, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a a way that they can, they can have a conversation and figure out the, how this is going to work, you know? Yeah. And I feel like there are a lot of, there are a lot of new, interesting venues opening in certain places. You know, this is honestly happening in my backyard a little bit too. You know, Terra Nova just Terra opened. Nova. It's this big, beautiful facility. They want to host events there. They want to host hunter jumper shows there. Uh, well, there are competitors where the, I, I'm pretty sure the mileage rule is going to come into play. You know, there are other venues in the area. So how is there a way for for new venues to, you know, to be exciting and, and attract new clientele, but also like we keep these same horse shows that we still love and still put on a good horse show. You know, I feel like there's got to be a compromise somewhere. A hundred percent. Ultimately too, it comes down to, I mean, USEF is losing money, you know, to associations like NSBA. And ultimately it's honestly better for the competitor. Yes. It's not USEF recognized, but their fees are a heck of a lot less than USEF. So it's kind of like making, you know, it's making Yousef look bad. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The competition isn't isn't a bad thing, you know. I think they've monopolized so many horse shows for so long, and now they're like, oh crap, people are actually going to start switching because now we're seeing feet, like pushback. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hundred percent. It'll be it interesting, be interesting to see how this plays out. You know, hundred percent. So just a shout out to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We really appreciate all of your donations. And we want to say congrats again to our fall raffle series winners. Your support means the world to us. You keep the show on the air. And uh, if you're interested in in supporting this podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash heels down. 
All right, guys, it's time for our product review. Both of you also got candles from Burned Out Equestrians, right? Yes, and they are so cute. I just like it's the same kind of thing, like the dirty soaps or whatever we got. The sayings are my favorite. And the so smell tell me, is tell me about excellent. your candles that you got, Jess. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and like jump forward. I got the one that says burn your vet bills, which anybody that ever wants to see mine is like, I have probably need more burned out vet bills than anybody because I think I have <laughs> too many. And it's like unbelievable. And then, and the smell on that one is, I, I love the smell. It's like this refreshing smell. It's like tropical in a sense, I'd say. Oh, I like and that. <laughs> it is. And it's, I don't know. I love it. And it's like, I don't know. I, I just like the smell. It's like refreshing. It feels like I'm like somewhere else. And so that one I had a lot of fun with like the, so it's, like, the it's like the vacation you could have taken to the Caribbean if you didn't have the vet bill is what you're saying. Pretty much. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I, I just burned those, like literally put them in the fire and there they go. So it's hysterical. And then the other one I had is the warm up ring survivors. And I feel like it goes with my t-shirt that says I'm the warm up ring expert or whatever it is, like yeah. the heels down t-shirt, but it's like the other side of it. So like I'm the expert on my t-shirt and I'm amazing. And then the candle is like, I survived it because I was just in the most terrifying warm up of life. But this one is that nice, like kind of vanilla scent. So it's like mm -hmm. way the other side, like when I maybe need to calm down because I've had the worst warm up of my life, like maybe I should just go sit next to the candle. So I don't know, like you read the sign, like the outsides of them and they like make you want to like smell that scent in that weird way, just like the soaps. It was like that lavender soap that I like had to have to like calm down and everything else. So I don't know. I love the candles as like the new addition. What about you, Ellie? What candles did you get? Oh my gosh. So I got braiding a clock, which is like a coffee scent. That's which, cute. Yeah. Which I was really. Courtney needs that one. Yeah. Courtney <laughs> definitely needs that one. <laughs> I didn't even know there was that one. I've seen a couple of them and I totally missed that one somehow. I was hesitant about it, honestly, because I, I I'm one of those people where I can easily get overpowered by candles. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can handle it, you know, and but I opened it and it's very light. And like one, I can have it lit for a couple hours. And, you know, it's, it's there, but it's not overpowering, which I really like a lot. My kitchen smells like I walked into like a, a mild Starbucks, which is enjoyable for me. That's nice. Since we don't have Starbucks in the boonies. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a memory of home. I totally hit up Starbucks today, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, which is my all-time favorite, is Barn Chore Solace. So that's like a, I would say your, your, your winter candle. That one that just smells like trees and one of my like all-time favorite scents. And I have that one going all the time and it does a really good job of being, you know, mild enough, but covering up, you know, when my dogs are wet because I have to give them another bath because the mud is so bad and they just kind of smell like wet dogs. So I, that one's my, my all time favorite, I would have to say. But what about you, Justine? So I also got the warm up ring survivor. I like vanilla scents, just like it, this one's a vanilla sandalwood and I, I, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm boring because I like vanilla, but I I really like it. That's I really what I'm like saying. it too. Like it's that nice one that you just like go to. Mm-hmm. It fills the whole room when you light the candle. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. And then the other one I got is called My Last Dollar. And the little tagline on it is because horses are effing expensive, which is very true. <laughs> Maybe I should have gotten that one. I know, right? <laughs> what does that one smell like, though? Because I love this one's a, one. a raspberry lemonade. And I was like, ooh, that oh. feels like exotic for me. But it smells great. I like it a lot. Okay. I'm gonna have but yeah, so, so candles for burned out equestrians, like you said, Jess, it's sort of like the next iteration of soap for dirty equestrians. So if you liked our funny cute taglines on our handmade soaps. The candles are like a great gift idea. Like they're like the perfect size. They're nine ounces. They come in glass jars. They're made out of uh, soy wax and they're hand poured. You know what I mean? I feel like they're just like a, a great, cute, hilarious gift, but they're locally made. I just really like them a lot. Like, I feel like I'm going to, I've already like ordered a bunch of them because these are going to be like my stocking stuffers for all the ladies at the barn. I like that they're (laughs) natural soy wax. I like that they come in the glass container because I'm someone who will reuse these glass containers once they, they burn through. All the candles are renewable and biodegradable. They're free from pesticides and herbicides. And, and yeah, they're just great. I mean, they last for hours. Like I've already, I've lit mine several times and you can barely even tell like they, I've lit them and they've like, just let them be lit for hours and they still look barely used, you know, like you'll have them for a long time. So if you're interested in finding your own candle before the holidays, you can find them at shop.heelsdownmag.com. All right, everybody, I'm really excited to introduce our guests this week. We have Patricia De Silva from Eagle Gold and also Caitlin Woodburn from Street and Saddle. And we brought both of them on today to talk about something that is really timely and very important right now, the supply chain issue. It affects more than just your holiday shopping. It has a ripple effect basically on any purchase you're making, whether that's at the grocery store, whether that's at the feed store for your horses and As entrepreneurs, both Caitlin and Patricia are dealing with this from the other side as business owners. So welcome. It's great to have both of you back. And Patricia, I was hoping we just, let's just jumpstart right into this conversation. We've been reading a lot about the supply chain issues affecting retailers all over the world. Obviously, it's in the news every day right now. And the holidays pose this extra layer of challenges so can you talk us, like, just talk through how you're feeling the pinch at EcoGold and how you've been affected? I mean, it hasn't been too, too bad for us compared to other people because a lot of the materials that we use are made in North America and we try to buy local as much as possible. But of course, you know, transport uh, has been an issue and basically now you have to buy in uh, bigger quantities and stock for a long time because you never know what you're going to uh, be out of. And, you know, first it was the pandemic. Now it's, I think it's a lack of manpower and lack of employees that some factories are dealing with. But the more you buy from overseas, and, you know, when we look at the equestrian industry, and you probably agree with me, Caitlin, like a lot of what you find in stores are imports and so those Mm. things take more time like those you know if you buy a lot from overseas that's even worse because it's stuck on boats (laughs) it's stuck on 
And it's caused because a lot of people during the pandemic switched from, you know, service expenses like travel and things like that. Then they started buying stuff. And so, you know, the, the supply chain can't keep up with demand right now. And that's Caitlin, is that what you're feeling too at Street and Saddle? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, again, kind of like Patricia said, because we we do try to source, you know, within Canada and the States, and we also do our own manufacturing in our studios. So I think those have been huge pluses through this, but it's definitely been tough. I find, especially with larger orders to stores having to get canceled just because, you know, sometimes a store will ask for, okay, well, can you make us this in time for Christmas? And I'm not even getting the fabric until, you know, the third week of December Oh wow. <laughs> kind of thing. So, yeah, I think silver lining of it, though, is we did, we have gotten really creative with using raw materials that we have. So say, you know, if we have one roll left over from a previous collection, we actually put together our holiday collection this year from all fabrics that we had already or that we sourced from local suppliers, which is really cool because it turned into a really, you know, great collection that kind of pressure makes diamonds situation. Wow. <laughs> um, and everyone, everyone loved it. And I was, you know, very open with our, our community that that's kind of what, what we were doing and kind of basically upcycling our own fabrics and everyone really loved it. So that was a very cool outcome of it. Yeah. And I think Caitlin and I have the same uh, philosophy in terms of manufacturing locally. And I think that it it puts us an, ad- an advantage, if you will. So we don't have to, you know, get our products already made from, from overseas. We make them. And mm-hmm. uh, by getting stuff from local businesses, you kind of help the whole supply chain. Because the more, as a consumer, that you buy things that come from Asia particularly because that's where like the the kind of the bottleneck is the more you buy stuff from Amazon and you know places like that where it's mainly cheap imports like you're contributing to the problem and then prices go up like gas goes up like everything is is a mess so the more you know if there's a message the more you can buy locally from artisans from small businesses from manufacturers and you know now that things have opened up like also buy services you know for christmas you don't need to buy things you could buy concerts to the opera for your mom or you know like there's other things that that you things that you can do that are kind of are going to help because it's our need for like a lot of stuff that is cheap <laughs> and deals and that's what's causing the whole problem and especially in the equestrian industry i think that it's a market that's a little bit more upscale than the general population so if if everybody can switch like one purchase that they were going to make on amazon and switch it to a, a local business you know if we all do that then that's going to alleviate a little bit. Like we're not going to solve the problem, but like it's going to minimize it. As consumers, right, we're more educated, you know, than ever about where our products come from, but there's still like so much more explaining to do. What do you guys think the importance of buying local or at least like knowing where your goods are sourced from? Like, what do you think the importance of that is for the consumer? 
Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a really good question. It's definitely been so amazing to see as a brand how educated consumers are getting and and how conscious. And I think shopping responsibly, unfortunately, kind of requires a lot of homework and research into what's, you know, what's going on behind the the making of a product, because it's it's very difficult to make kind of blanket statements about, you know, if based on a certain country of origin or the size of a business, like I just recently watched a really good CBC Marketplace video and they actually were exposing some, I won't give it all away, but some local, not local, but Canadian, bigger Canadian brands that were suspected of selling clothing that was made by forced labor and that basically the import laws are kind of so lax coming into Canada that Mm -hmm. that's not getting caught. But it's not just an issue unique to overseas manufacturing. Like in LA, they just passed uh, a really like important bill that's going to protect garment workers' rights because they're, and this is like LA and California, there's a huge garment manufacturing industry and there's a massive problem with just wage theft, just people getting paid Mm -hmm. below minimum wage and then not even getting paid that, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day. So it's kind of happening it can happen everywhere. And so I think it's definitely worth it for consumers to do their homework and find brands that align with their values that they'd like to support. Yeah. But I, but I think if they, if you manufacture in Canada or in the U S or even Europe, like there's, I mean, you could have the bad apple, but the chances are there's, you know, there's workers' rights. You have all kinds of inspections and whatnot. So it's like you, you're you're ensuring a little bit that things are going to be made in in certain conditions. I feel, and yeah, I I don't I I kind of disagree with Caitlin. I don't feel <laughs> that like consumers are as educated as they should, and I think that if you just the equestrian industry, I think people are extremely or a certain percentage are very aware of different social issues and but then it doesn't translate into their buying habits because just you know in our Facebook group for example like people are looking for deals and then right. the, whatever's cheapest like we're still there like you'll never see me on Facebook go what's the cheapest deal because I don't think that's what should guide your your purchases and maybe I'm a weird person, but it's more about, you know, being like buying things that you, that not just like the quantity, but things that make you proud or that, you know, for example, I bought like a, you know, a purse from a local producer and it's made out of uh, recycled fabric and I actually went to see her <laughs> and, you know, there's like three people making these bags. And, you know, every time that I, I, I use it, I'm, I, I think of, you know, these people that are making it. And so it's not just like buying something that you don't have any emotional attachment to. It's like thinking about for different purchases. I feel like that's a really important part of this conversation, Patricia, that I feel like it's trendy, you know, to like post on Instagram that that this is an important cause to you. But then again, if we look at like our 
our buying power, which is really the action we take as consumers, not a lot of us follow up, like follow through with that, right? So, so what needs to happen to keep shifting that mentality of, we know there's this problem, right? It's out mm-hmm. in the news, it's in the headlines all the time that our purchases have a direct impact on the earth, on sustainability, on our local communities. So how, how do we keep kind of pushing that responsibility, you know, or like rising to the occasion of being a responsible consumer. Does that make sense? Like, what do you, what do you want to see change? I think Patricia made a a really good point about, you know, getting to know the people who made, you know, your item, whether that's a purse or a piece of clothing and having that kind of emotional connection to it, because it's very easy to just disassociate, order whatever you want off of Amazon and then just not think about it ever again. Like I think I think that that emotional connection and care to what you're buying can have, even if it's one piece of clothing, can have a ripple effect to the rest of your consumer habits in just thinking about what goes on behind making it. Like for example, in our in our studio, I'll post a lot of kind of behind the scenes content of here's a time-lapse video of a shirt being sewn. Here's how we make this. And for the first while, I was kind of, I wasn't sure if people would really care about (laughs) that kind of content, but I've gotten a lot of messages from, you know, our customers saying, you know, oh, you inspired me to, to, you know, start learning about sewing. And then it's always followed up with, wow, I didn't realize how hard it was, you know, and always be encouraging to kind of like, you know, keep doing it. It's, you know, it's fine. Yes, it's very hard to do. But I think I can tell they're starting to think more about not just the clothing that they make or they buy from us, but the rest of their clothing in their closet. Like, where does that come from? You know, that it is so time consuming and takes a lot of skill to make. So why was that t-shirt three dollars? You know, and you just the wheels start turning, you know? Well, and I think it's so important, like with the holidays and everything coming up, like how do you, I think a lot of us as, you know, a consensus group and stuff kind of believe that we need to shop local and we need to kind of have that emotional thing, but we all know somebody or it's a family member or whatever, like how do you guys suggest kind of like at the holiday dinner table say, hey, look, like let's all make sure, you know, coming forward through the holidays and stuff like that, like maybe when asking for gifts or something, be like, look, I want something that's sentimental and it's something that means something to everybody, not just that cheap purchase or the thing that didn't mean something that I want the background story. Like, do you have any recommendations for everybody to kind of talk about it at the holidays? I don't know if it's going to be a subject that's going to be discussed at the holiday table necessarily. No, uh, no, no, no. But like when you're talking about what you want for gifts yeah. and stuff. So it's maybe I mean, not like, the dinner table. No. Like, for example, like if I, I think that like we have to start, there's always like those more environment uh, conscious people uh, in, in the family. We all have. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think those people need to drive change. And I think it needs to be an issue that, you know, as much as other issues that have been in the forefront, like this has been, for example, there's a lot of talk about climate change, but then we don't bring it back to our conception. We kind of separate those things, right? So the person that is maybe a little bit more aware about these 
the, the environment or things like that in the family. For example, in our family, what I brought up is a challenge to buy local. So this year, we're not allowed to buy anything that's like from a from a big box store or from Amazon. Like we have to buy local. And then my nephews were like, well, like, how? And I'm like, I don't care. Like buy me like locally made jam or, you know, honey or, you know, food, like food is easy, right? Like to find something local, but, and that now they're like, oh, we're going to these artisan markets and, <laughs> and fairs and everyone's going to run after. And it's a great thing too, to do with the family. Cause now they're all going to these artisan markets together. Like the That's whole, super cool. family. yeah. So it's like, yeah. When like everybody would just shop online on Amazon or whatever, and like I'd get socks or you know whatever. Five gifts that you don't want, yeah, exactly. Or you want, but now they're making it into not only like shopping as a family activity, and that's also a gift that you give. It's the gift of time. No, right? No, that's that's what's so important. Like I think that that's what you know. I would love people to take away is that it's exactly that you put it so perfectly. It's the gift of time and going and spending out, like going to shop locally, even if you don't buy anything. Like, but go out and like just go look, and maybe you find that one thing that you really do like, and that you get it together. And it's more about the whole experience, not just the one thing that you bought off Amazon. Exactly. Yeah, I right? think that's. That's definitely a really great that kind of challenge idea is so good yeah. for also just you know being imaginative for you know also gift certificates for local restaurants maybe you'll find somewhere you didn't know about before like it just sort of expands your knowledge of the resources that are available close by and it's important to be to be proud I don't know if there's a hashtag that could be created <laughs> this could be question industry. Caitlin, we need to brainstorm on that. But I think yes. for the holiday, I think that putting this issue in the forefront, then it's going to push retailers to stock more local product. And then it's kind of a chain that if you don't, you know, if it's inconvenient for people to find stuff, then they're not, not everyone's going to do the work, right? So so if the retailers also had like a section that's clearly identified or that is products that are made in North America, I think that would make it easier for people to to see it and to to buy it. Yes, I think it would especially be important for stores that don't typically stock locally made or made in North America items just to kind of access that other level of consumer who's not typically putting a huge amount of effort into sourcing those out. It would help kind of put it under their nose. And then if you're if you're already aware of this issue, just ask your local store. Like, hey, like, do you have any products for for from that are made here? You know, make it into an issue. Well guys, I think you brought up some really great tips for our listeners to kind of take into mind as they're heading into the holiday shopping season. Like, can you believe it's already the end of November? This is wild. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) And we look forward to catching up with you guys soon. Definitely. Maybe after the holidays. So thank you, Patricia and Caitlin for joining us. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Take care. Are you looking for a good holiday gift for yourself or for somebody else or something to ask for this year? Give the gift of 
a better ride this season with EcoGold. Whether you're looking to improve your saddle fit, stop saddle slipping, or soothe your cold back horse, EcoGold's high-performance pads can help. Shop the entire collection at ecogold.ca. And don't forget to order early and beat the holiday rush. So guys, I have to introduce our special guest tonight, Jimmy Schramm, who is actually my old college roommate. We went to Auburn together. I know she is an American inventor with experience up to the five-star level. And then she is now partnered with Dom Schramm, her husband, who is an Australian inventor. And they both run their program in Westgrove, PA. And you might remember her from the Fun Invention TV series that they did. And welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. No problem. And first, before we have to get started, I have to say congrats on such a good weekend with Eclair. You guys were awesome at try on. Thank you. You know, I've just like it's the beginning of the season. I was just trying to take it like one day at a time, one show at a time and just kind of seeing what happened. And she's just been she's been really good. So it was it was really fun. It was a good weekend. So basically, we love for everybody here. If you don't know, Jimmy has bought this horse, Eclair, from a young horse. You bought her when she was four, right? Yeah. Four or five. Yeah. yeah. So it was like when she was four. super young, you picked her up and you basically believed in her and tell everybody like how it is like to bring up the young horse and the experience it is. Like she's still super young. She's like 10, isn't she? Yeah, she's not she's very old. 10. Yeah. She's just 10 this year. Yeah. It's been, it's been really cool. You know, I've, I've had young-ish horses in the past. I wouldn't say like quite as young as her, obviously, to start, but I had this other advanced horse, Bellamy. Bellamy, for a long time. yeah, she wasn't that old. She bought her. When no, she was old too. yeah, and it's actually a he. Sorry, Jess. Oh, he, but- he. For some reason, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I always wanted to go. She, he was so pretty though, and that's no, why every like time I wanted to. He did look like a girl. Sorry, he did dude. Look like a girl. It's okay. <laughs> he he did. Poor very, Bellamy. He's very he feminine, little guy. He was. Um, he was so pretty, though. <laughs> and anyway, so, you know, kind of towards the end of his career, I was obviously thinking, okay, well, I've got to find something else that I'm going to keep going with. And he wasn't really saleable. So I was going to have to get something young and get some help to, to, you know, go in on this horse with me, all that jazz. And I actually had been looking for a little while. And a friend of mine, Ashley Kehoe, was living in Germany and working over there for Philip Colossa. And, um, she had been sending me horses and sending me horses and she sends me this one. And honestly, y'all half the reason why I even looked at her is because she, ha- she looked just like bells. And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. another bells, you know, it was like same color, white blaze, two hind, you know, white socks. Like she just looked really similar. And, um, either way, you know, I get a couple of videos of her and fed her off the video and flew over there and tried her drug. Jenny Autry with me so she could video and take pictures. And I made her drive everywhere in Germany too. <laughs> so I was like, I can't drive over here. I was more afraid of the Autobahn than anything, but either way. And yeah, and I, uh, to be honest with you, you know, I didn't entirely even know what I was looking for. You know, like you buy these young horses and it's kind of a crapshoot, you know, like you think you're making some kind of educated guess as to maybe they'll eventually go the level. But I mean, the reality of it is, is you might as well just find something that you like to ride because you're going to be riding it for a very long time if you're going to try and get it to the five-star level or four-star level anyway. So, you know, I got to ride her twice over there and I didn't get to cross-country school. I don't even think she had 
I think she had maybe cross country schooled once. She had not evented. And I actually, she she used to root the reins real bad. And I was like, this is probably not good, but I'll do it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. And she's been pulling my arms out ever since really. But, <laughs> right. um, but yeah, it's, it's been really cool, you know, like kind of halfway through maybe in her six year old year, Dom had to re-talk me into keeping her at one point. We've done that for each other a couple of times, you know, with several horses, but she just was really hard in the beginning. And, you know, like just her, the way she moved was difficult to ride. And I hadn't really ever done that young horse thing. And I was just like, how is this ever going to get better? (laughs) You know? And, you know, and she turned a corner and, and she was, she was never a horse trials warrior, which, you know, can be disheartening for some people. Like, she doesn't go out and win a bunch of horse trials weekend and week out. That's not really her thing. You know, her, the whole point of her was always to be an FEI horse or a long format horse. And it's proving, you know, now at the four star level to finally be the best level for her. Cause she can finally run as much as she wants and for as long as she needs to, to where it's actually makes her better. So that's, that's been cool. And well, and I think a lot of those horses that everybody wants to, make it a five-star horse like they're almost like inner like they're kind of middle of the road when they're there and they really blossom once they get to the upper levels and like yeah you've put in that flat work with your dressage trainer and everything else that everybody doesn't see behind the scenes like how much you've really put into her and gone and gotten the extra help and so that you can actually ride her quite well yeah yeah she you know i i was pretty good until i got to the like three-star level about to go advance and I was like okay I'm at a I kind of had plateaued with her flat work and I was like okay I can't me I, I just don't I didn't have the knowledge to like make her better enough and that was kind of right around when COVID hit so I I dropped her off at my friend Nicholas Fife's place in Wellington another Australian rider actually straight dressage rider and I've never done that before I've never had anyone really train her before and she came back to me from him and I almost couldn't ride her the first day I got on her I was like Nick like I can't even ride this <laughs> I was like cantering around the ring and I was like this feels crazy like she felt so different he just I don't know he just like kind of put a real half halt on her and taught her how to sit a little bit more because the way she's designed she's like a greyhound you know she's kind of designed to go in one direction fast and so the way her pelvis is kind of set, it's, it is, it's really hard for her to sit. So he helped kind of break through that a little bit for me. And, and that actually ended up helping me a lot in the show jumping and in the cross country for that matter, because she stopped pulling down so bad. She used to pull down real hard and she was running and she doesn't really do that much anymore. But yeah, it's been, it's been really special. It's been really cool. And I think more than anything, it's just great because. I go places and we go out on course and it's like, I just know everything she's going to do, everything she's going to look at or not look at or care about, you know, and that, that's nice. Nice to have that. So I know you mentioned that it's kind of a crapshoot when you get a young one, but do you have any advice to our listeners who buy young green horses? Like, how do you stay motivated to want to get them to that level? I mean, maybe not as high of a level, but just to keep working with young horses if we don't have a husband to convince us to keep them. <laughs> keep them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, sure. You know, I think I think the biggest thing that I try to remember about about the young horses myself is, you know, I try and 
think a little bit too about how I am personally when I'm trying to, whether it's working out at the gym or even when I was in school, stuff like that, to like know that certain things are going to, are going to be difficult for you. And you have to, you know, you have to have empathy for these young horses when we're trying to train them to do stuff. You know, they only know what we've taught them, especially young horses. So you have to kind of keep remembering that they just might not really understand a, the question that's being asked or they're lacking confidence in that area of whatever you're asking them to do. And then you almost, you know, so then you've got to kind of just change your mentality about them a little bit and almost try and build them up a little bit more and, and become more of their cheerleader a little bit. I think some of them need that and, you know, just try and understand a little bit more of where they're coming from and why it's difficult. You know, like it's, it's real easy to get on them and, you know, they're six years old and you're like, why in the heck can't you do this leg yield better? Or why can't you, why can't you manage this, you know, little teardrop loop in the canter? Why are you always changing? You know? And it's like, their bodies are changing, whatever we're doing on them. Maybe we're crooked. Maybe the whole thing's our fault. You know, it's, there's a lot you got to kind of remove yourself from and think a little bit more about them and what's difficult for them and how to change your mentality about it and cheer them on and know that they're going to get better. You know, so much of it, I think too, is just strength. Like we get so many of these young horses and especially if it's a bigger young horse, I've got a six-year-old right now who's a bit rangy and God love him. I think he's incredible, but like he, like when he's actually going the right way, he can literally only work for 20 minutes and then he is like toast. You know what I mean? Cause it's just, it's hard. It's really hard for them when they're building long-term strength, you know, it just takes a really long time and you have to be prepared to wait a little while. Go in it for the long haul. Yeah. To get, the to get the good stuff, you know, like it just takes anything good takes a freaking long time. It so does. you just got to, you know, take the little wins when you get them, like whether day to day you get, you know, you get them off the right rein for two circles and you're like, great, that's awesome. Because I haven't been able to do that for a month, you know, like <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, you know, you just got to, I, I think for me, you just have to kind of cheer them on a little bit and take yourself out of it. And that, that, that helps. I think, I think yeah. too, you know, with the young horses, you can't be so competition driven, you know what no. I mean? To like in and out winning events. Like it just, it's not really about that for them. Sometimes the best ones aren't going to win in the beginning. They're going to win in the end and you have to kind of believe in it and go in it for the long haul. Like you said, so for sure. these two, Jimmy, love to embarrass me. They love to have my mom on the podcast and ask her, you know, things about me. So, so you want to be embarrassed? Turn? If you want to, if you want to embarrass someone, have my mom on the podcast. Oh yeah, oh my her gosh, mom is amazing though. Peggy is amazing. I might need to get Peggy on the podcast. Peggy got, <laughs> Peggy got Peggy. kicked off the airplane the other day. Oh, what? Jesus. Peggy, Peggy's a flight attendant, first yeah. off. <laughs> she is a flight attendant and then got kicked off of another airline's flight because she wouldn't wear a mask properly. Oh, of course she wouldn't. <laughs> of course oh, she no. wouldn't. Even though she's so, wearing it every day on her own airplane. I know. I'll do it on another. <sighs> so let's so Anyway, sorry. No, it's okay. Let's embarrass Jess. No, they want me. I was like deflecting to Peggy. (laughs) I knew where Ellie was going. 
<laughs> so you guys were college roommates. Any good stories? Oh, boy. Sure, we got plenty. <laughs> we uh, got ourselves in a lot of trouble. We did get in a lot of trouble. You know, nothing, nothing too, too crazy. But, you know, the best thing about Jess was, I'm for the scared. most part, when we were in college... If she was just like, you know, you're going to, you're going to go out with Jess and you're like, there's no, there's no going back from that. You know, like you start the evening and you're like in again, in for the long haul of the evening, right? Like she's not going, <laughs> we home, going that, home early. She's not going home till that bar closes. So <laughs> wow, <laughs> we are out on the town. Right. And so like, and she freaking, because she'll talk to anybody, she knows everyone everywhere we go, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, and then. The next thing you know, she's like got some like I don't know cute quarterback that she's talking to, I and you're knew like, oh, it was this hell? one. He was so cute though. He was so Come cute. <laughs> I don't even think he was a no, quarterback Jimmy, though. I don't know what he was. He wasn't the quarterback. He was the kicker. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so I ended so, up dating this kicker, and she's like, "Can you date him more often? Like, we need him to come home more often with us." <laughs> yeah, it was so hilarious. Like the very first night, we like meet him at Sky Bar or somewhere. I don't know. We're like all hanging out. Everything's fine. Where I'm, I'm like secretly just fight living vicariously through Jess while she's talking <laughs> to some hot guy, and. Next thing I know, like we're going home and, you know, I don't really remember half of it. And, and I, I was in the bedroom down the hall from her. And he walks out and like, he's like, I didn't even hook up with him. We were no. so passed out. The best part was he like literally slept in our house and he walks out without a shirt on and Jimmy about pees on herself. Yeah. I'm like halfway walking out of my bedroom. This dude walks out of her bedroom and out into the bathroom. Like he basically beats me into the bathroom. I'm like, first of all, okay, go ahead. Fine. You're hot. You can so have So she it. comes running and into our like, room and she's like, what? Into the room. <laughs> I bolt into Jess's room, like stick my head around the door. And I was like, are you kidding me? You brought this guy home? And she's like, we didn't do anything. We just slept. And I was like, whatever. Like, <laughs> he's still here. And then, of course, like, bolted back to my room. She's like, oh, well, God. you didn't tell me. I'm, like, in pajamas. And I'm like, well, it's, like, 5 a.m. in the morning. Everyone's in pajamas. <laughs> it was so fun, though. We had such so a good time. We had such, a, we had good such time. a good time. And we had such a good time eventing and, like, Oh, yeah. We used to like shows. hit up horse shows. Yeah, we'd be like driving up together all in the trailer. My were you with me? Were you with me at Fairhill when Ronald Zabala proposed to me? Were you there uh, with us? Do you remember Joan? Like, this is before cell phones when you could right, like video. Right? Remember, it was the dance goes and he wanted to yes. give you the dance goes. And Joan, remember, got the dance goes. My oh, mother, what Joan. is what is the dance? What like a dance? He proposed clog. like the clogs. He proposed with a clog. Fairhill. Whoa. They used to sponsor Fair Hill, and I think I actually took a pair. There, you they were the center pieces on the tables of the competitors party. <laughs> no, he proposed with them. That's <laughs> yeah. what he like. Instead of a I ring, he proposed with shoes. There was like a picture of him on his knees, like on his knee, proposing to me in a barn aisle with like dance coat because clogs. he it was like trying to be like Cinderella, but like with dance. Oh, shoes. I see. And so he's like, it turned really with a wooden clog. With a yeah, <laughs> if Matt yeah, like Ronald's pretty propose. positive you can afford more than a clog, bro. If Matt tries to propose with a freaking wooden clog, I will kick him in the face. <laughs> 
With said you, wooden clog. If, <laughs> if, 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 if he proposes with wooden clogs, will you just video you punching him in the face? Oh, no, just I'm going curious. to kick him. Okay, well, you video kicking him in the face. Yeah. Okay, okay. all right, all right. About, about traveling with Jess. Jess and I used to drive to all the horses and stuff together. And we used to go to, remember, we used to go to the tang, Tanger Outlets or Tanger Outlets. And oh, yeah. I'd stop off and, like, hit up the all the horses, shopping on the way. And then we'd, like, we'd be like, well, that'll be all right. Like, we can hit the, we can hit the Olive Garden. Like, it'll be okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. We Just would, like, hit up. in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our, Our horses, horses were, like, totally used to it. They like, lived college what we with do. us. Basically, yeah, our totally horses get lived college with us was the problem. Was uh, awesome. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so okay, fun. So to fast forward, you guys survived college. Everybody's yeah. still alive. We now, survived college go and got on. married, which was amazing. Pretty Yeah, amazing. so you both go on and you not only do you get married, but you both marry eventers. <laughs> I know. What were we thinking? I so. Know. Some days so we question what, that. What is that like to be, Jimmy, we'll start with you and then just <clears throat> feel free to chime in too. But like, what is it like being married to someone who is also competitive? Like, how do you, I mean, you both are one half of a program, right? You run these barns, you've got all these horses, you're showing yourself, you're producing horses. Like, how do you, how do you get it all done? How do you support each other's riding goals? It feels like a lot. You know, the good thing about Dom and I is that actually the work is probably what we do best. Like we can, and it's always been this way because we've always worked together in barns. Like we can be fighting, ready to kill each other. But like when we're in the barn, we can like put it aside and work. Like it might be uncomfortable and (laughs) it might be a little hostile. (laughs) It's a little hostile and you know, curt and short one one word answers but like we can do it you know but i think that's because the horses become first yeah that's why it makes it easy is the horses then have to be first so it's not about your marriage or your partnership it's like you have to go do your job so that is why i feel like for us it makes it easier like because you have to do that part it's just do you guys have it do you guys have your stuff separate though like i know some people i don't think separate what like you like like you know like Tim and Janelle have like separate barns. John and Jen have like separate barns, separate horses, separate staff. Like I am way too guys- controlling for that shit, man. No. <laughs> so y'all have like one thing. It is one thing, and it is yeah. like a whole team, and everybody yeah. is a team, and it kind of has to be that way because, I mean, I think there are programs that excel like that and stuff, but like we just can't afford the staff and we can't afford, like, we can't afford to have two businesses. Like it's already enough to be one. And so if you were two separate businesses with two separate staff and all of that, like we wouldn't exist because we have to wear multiple hats within one barn. So I feel like you are the same same way. way. Yeah. I was going to say you're the same way. So it's very, it is, you like have to be a little like it is awkward at times when like everybody wants to fight, but you have to go down the barn and you have to do your job. And like, I want a big poster in my barn that says, do your job. Like Bill Belichick, Doug's like idol says all the time. And I'm like, but I think it's part of it is like, that's what I want people to do. Like, it doesn't matter what your emotional state is. I don't care if I want to cry, punch somebody, do all the above. Like it's a job. So I have to go show up to it. 
So I think that's where it makes it easier to work with. And that's what you're kind of saying. But for us, like, it's more everything else. Like, it was a long time ago when we started helping each other, like back in the dating phases, that we got to kind of work out a lot of the problems of how you could coach each other. And now we actually coach each other quite well. And so it was a lot of trial and error in our parts. But now we work together because all those trial and errors, like he can coach me and I'm in every warm up, and I'm able to coach him. And I know the horses because I ride them as well. So it makes it easier in that sense for us. But it's taken, what, 10, 12 years of trial and error to get to the point where we're at that we are put to the point where we can actually coach each other and do it successfully and do all that through, you know, what their preferences are. And like, did you have yeah. that when you guys help each other out? It's, it's I can't coach Dom. That's not a thing. I mean, I can, (laughs) I can try. And for the most part, I just get looked at or I get like a rebuttal, you know? And so I, we don't, you know, we help each other if the other person asks and if not, you know, then it's, we just ride together and help each, you know, like to say positive, supportive, supportive. yeah, Yeah. But for the most part, like for me, if I'm on the ground with him, it's like, I will check things like, are those changes clean? Is that halt square? Is the frame in the correct way? But I'm not. Or I'm I went not, up two holes on the jump. Yeah. Like I'm not, two holes. I'm not, I'm not coaching him in any way, but I do ask him for help and he does help me, you know, from time to time when I need a hand. But Jimmy, for think, you, like the two of you have advanced horses going. So like you yeah. were at Triumph last weekend, he was at Fair Hill, like, how do you how do you schedule your lives with you with know it's having like a horse going and goals? Yeah. So, you know, we each, you know, that part of it we kind of set separate goals for ourselves and for our horses. And we'll probably we we kick it ideas back and forth and where we want to go and ask opinions and what we think about what show for what horse and that kind of thing. We do that a lot together. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we we keep like we keep that stuff a little bit separate like we'll go compete the same shows together and stuff but like like this season when bully needed to go to the mayor hill i cannot talk when bully needed to go to fair hill or maryland is what i was trying to say and Mm -hmm. i put the two together somehow but then you needed to go to try on it wasn't let's combine it and do something different like he could go to fair try on with you you do do two separate schedules for those horses yeah definitely definitely and if it happens that you know, those two horses, you know, a couple of the horses go to the same shows. That's great. But we don't yeah, really plan not. it. We don't really plan it per horse. And it's it's actually pretty easy because each horse is really tailored to what they yeah. need. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I like I would love to go and gallop with Bowley because we have to drive to where we gallop. But Bowley cannot gallop with another horse. So, too bad. Makes it I difficult. have to gallop yeah. on a different day. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's that kind of stuff. You know, you just... No, we just, we just schedule the best we can with, with what's going to work. But, you know, like next year, Dom's trying to go to badminton and, um, wants to go over a month early and do some training and maybe do a prep run, which we haven't really done before for, with his other overseas trips, but you know, it'll be fine and I'll stay home and I'll ride the other ones that he leaves behind and they'll do, you know, more of a summer three day instead of a spring three day. And that's just the way we'll work it. And then that's when you kind of go together as a yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, 
it's different because you guys are both like, you know, at that level where you both kind of have to work together, but be apart. And that's where it's kind of different than a lot of programs where you talk about, you know, Janelle and Tim or John and Jen in that sense that like you guys work together, but you're still separate at both at the high levels. So that's yeah. where it's, it's, I think everybody just kind of has to figure it out. Like I said, through trial and error and everything and, else. And like my, my life is a little like for, in the beginning we, it was all horses and everything was horses. Right. And then in the last probably two or three years, I kind of, I don't want to say I've taken a step back because I haven't, but I have taken on less horses and I work another job as well. So I worked yeah. for um, Eventing Nation for a short period, probably for about a year. And right. So I remember kind that. Of managed, yeah, I managed the advertising there and then left there and now work for with athletics. Frankie at Athletics. So, and that's a pretty full on position there. So, you know, it, it, that, in that sense, like of our day-to-day life, it's pretty easy. You know what I mean? Like, I Does that make it two. easier for your relationship as well? Have you found that in the um, last couple of years or it doesn't change? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it was a little bit harder in the beginning and not, it's not his fault, but it, you know, I think in his mind, it was kind of like, if I don't see you working, you're not working. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. especially because we were used to working side by side, doing kind of like our manual labor job all the time. And then obviously I started, I would ride two, two or three horses and I leave the barn. And, and you're like, then, I got to go to work. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, like Literally. I got to work, you know, but for him, he's like, work, 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 work in the barn all day. And then I'll come home and it'll be like, well, I need this and I need that. I'm like, well, dude, I've been working all day too. Like, I don't know what you think I'm doing in here. Like, <laughs> I'm just twiddling, here, thumbs twiddling my thumbs. But, yeah. you know, the, and, and that's not, I mean, it wasn't a problem. It just was something we had to get used to, you know, and now it's a lot, it's a lot easier. And we actually bought a farm last February. So now we live on the, on the farm and that makes yeah. it a lot easier to make like, kind easier. of, you know, if I need to pop out and do something or if he's riding and I want to, you know, hop out and watch goalie go for a minute and then come back in and work, you know, all that stuff is so much easier. So that's good. Okay. So question mm-hmm. jimmy i'm sure you've been asked this question like a million times oh but god here we go justine is dying to ask this she's been dying i don't i don't yeah. know if i've been dying but i i'm just i am curious you know a lot of people loved the invention tv series <laughs> and as <laughs> being a journalist i know i know what it takes like the hours of manual labor to put something like that together like, is it dead forever, or do you feel like you would, um, you guys, would ever revive it? Because it was so popular, people loved I it. I know, and we did, and we did love doing it. I don't think it's necessarily dead forever. I think if we came back, we probably wouldn't come back to necessarily doing the exact same thing. Like, probably not the exact same format necessarily. She's saying she's going to do a reality TV show. <laughs> something of that nature or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we, I mean, we do have a really awesome idea for a reality TV oh, show. We just, oh, no, we've had it for years, but we just don't have anyone to like take the handles on it. You know, we're just too busy to really, you know, and, and, and the idea that the idea that we have is logistical nightmare. Like we'd have to do a bit of traveling for it. But the biggest thing with, was with why we stopped originally was we were working with a young couple who was great. Grace and Matt, and they have, were just starting out as well. 
And so what happened was they kind of wanted to do more weddings. She was a photographer and he was doing the filming and, you know, we weren't paying them that much because we were both just starting out. So it worked for a while. And then they were like, okay, well, we want to do these weddings and actually make some good money, you know, which was totally fair. And we were getting busier too and had more horses. And so it was just harder to, you know, take the time to do it. And then on top of that, like, I mean, we made we made a video a week for like two and a half years. Like there's only so many tutorials out there that you can do in 10 minutes without, you know, having to think of something else to do. But, you know, the other, the other thing that we kind of ran into a little bit, and it was just something that I think, I don't want to say we grew out of that phase of our life, but we did a little bit, you know, like at some point we wanted to really focus on our riding and being professional and getting owners and, with invention, it was such an awesome thing and it was so fun and funny and innovative. But at the same time, it, put, it lumped us into this category of almost like the comedian couple. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not sure. necessarily yeah. like the professional riders that you want to send your horse to, to compete or whatever, you know? And at some point, I think we just had to kind of decide what we were going to be. We were going to be one or the other. We couldn't really be both. I mean, we you know we're happy to be fun and lighthearted and not take things too seriously. But at the same time, we had pretty serious, pretty serious goals that we wanted to achieve. And it was hard to do it all at the same time. But to answer your question, I, I don't think it's totally dead. I think that we actually have some ideas in the works for, I don't think it'll be quite as comical, but some video stuff. And then you know, if, if we ever got around to doing this reality thing that we want to do, it would be really cool, but you just have to find someone to manage it. Do you know well, anyone that wants to do that? Let us know. <laughs> Before we let you go, Jimmy, on every episode, we, we end the show by playing Rose and Thorn. Okay. Are you familiar with this? Not entirely, but I'm it'll, it'll pretty, be right up your alley. It's, yeah. I'm pretty sure it. I'll be okay with it. Yeah. So basically... We each share a rose and a thorn, and it's it's the highlight of our week, and then like the crappiest part of our week. Starting it doesn't have Monday. No, no, it doesn't have to be the week. So yeah, I mean, it could be beyond that. So like, so like, it could be two weeks. It could be day. Like whatever. So if it's but not your highlight and your and your low point, essentially your rose and this month, call it. Mm Hmm. My gosh. So we'll give you a minute to think about it. I mean, Ellie just. We'll all go first. Are you ready? If you're ready, you can go. I'm ready. Maybe I need to think about my good one. My bad one was easy. Maybe you go first, uh, Justin. My bad one was easy. Well, Jimmy, you might cry with my bad one. Oh, no. Was it bacon? Because I'm going to cry. Yeah, I know. Oh, no, I did I'll just go ahead and go. So Bacon. I know. So Doug's dog that we've had since before we were in together with Nolan, we used to run around. I have a long hair chihuahua that's a black and tan and Doug has a black and tan like collie mix thing and bacon passed away this week. So I'm so sorry. So sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So super so sad. But he's How old very was he? he? He was, hey, see, there we go. No problem. He was like 14 or 15. We think he was like around Nolan's age. So he was a a nice, long, happy life, you know? Absolutely. So at least he's buried here and all that. And so it's just super sad because I think Doug thought he was going to last a lot longer. And 
Nolan's getting deaf, so like he thought Nolan was going to be like the first one of them to go, oh, and then no. that thing's like still running around like a crazy dog. So <laughs> she's still kicking it just fine. She just might be a little deaf, but it's super sad that she's can, not going anywhere. She, she's living till eternity, I believe. So she's like a cockroach, pretty much, pretty much. She's like my rat dog that's never going to die. So that was like our super sad week is uh-huh. all of that involved. So that was terrible. But I guess my like rose would be that we get to be here for the month. Like it's not going to be a horse show thing. It's not going to be anything. Like it's just the fact that like we're going to be here. I have friends visiting next week and then the holidays and I love the holidays. So I just get to spend family time and enjoy the farm. Like and be just us with the family and we're going to spend the holidays here and everyone's going to come here for the holidays. So I'm like super excited. That is exciting. Ellie, what about you? Oh boy. So my rose is easy because my mom actually came to visit uh, this past week, which was fun. I know. I love my mom too. Pretty cool. So fun. Uh, So that was really exciting because I just, you know, didn't haven't seen her in a long time. And I made her ride Berkeley too, which was really funny because I Aww. made her do it. I mean, it was like not even 18 inches. <laughs> and I mean, she'd never done a bounce before in her life. And she's like, son of a, just like. <laughs> and she was probably perfect. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she was great. But so that was kind of fun for sure. And then I guess my thorn would have to be that. With the mud, Berkeley keeps pulling his freaking shoes. <laughs> and I can't find them because it's so freaking deep. I just, I don't understand why he can't keep his freaking shoes on his feet like a good horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I, I don't even know. So I'm looking currently for bell boot recommendations and any kind of recommendation at this point i'm gonna just put those like horse sneakers on his front feet i know i was literally just about to say you should put those cavallo boots on him i have them for when he pulls shoes so he can still go outside but i i don't have one for both front feet but i'm literally just debating it just putting them on at least until there's snow because the mud i mean everybody's slipping and i know he's playful and i'm fine with that but it's just like it's been really annoying oh so, because it's costing me an arm and a leg. Not oh, really. Man. My friend. Still but, annoying. Yeah. So, what about you, Justine? So, my rose is that you and Michael have been on fire. Oh, he's wonderful. So, actually, yes, it is Michael. We're going We're going out this weekend, and I'm just doing a, a combined test, but I'm moving up to training. So, I'm putting <gasps> on... My big girl panties and going to try the three, three show jumping course and we'll see what happens. So, Oh, it's going to be great. I'm super excited. I hope so. Just pull and kick at the same time. Yeah. It's like the Mike winner. Doug's like Mike winner had something to do that. Like that pull and kick is a great (laughs) saying. (laughs) He tells me best that all the time. It does work. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but I'm, I'm feeling good about it. So we're going to try. And then if that goes well, then I think we're going to do like a schooling show at the Florida horse park next month training and like put it all together. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll never be fast though. I'm more like, I'll, I just don't think I'll ever in 
my life make the time at training. So <laughs> you'd be surprised. I think you, you will can. be surprised. Yeah. I never thought I'd make the time at intermediate or advanced. And I came pretty close this weekend. And, and you're fast. Exactly. Okay. And I we'll normally see. am like a minute over. <laughs> she likes to go slow <laughs> like, like me. Like, like not real qualifying slow. score slow. Hey, you no, it's totally fine. I mean, we like slow. I'm all about the slow. I mean, I'm a hunter in like my day job. So like the slow is where I'm used to, you know? So, so we'll see. I don't know. We'll just, we'll put it out there. We'll see what happens. Right. Oh God, Um, is it my turn? Well, so then my thorn quickly. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. My thorn is that that I got promoted. (laughs) Why is that a thorn just because she has to work so much more work to do and i'm like i knew it thorn is because she's like i gotta work more it'll be fine so lesson learned justine just do worse do less (laughs) but yeah it's your turn jimmy so okay well i've had a couple i've had a thorny day man i know Um, what happened today all right vent use it to vent that's why we're here yeah let's see well okay so my head girl emily who was amazing with this for five or six years she gave us her notice probably about a month ago, and mm. which is a bummer. But I mean, I totally get it. It's like yeah, totally fair. She's like had a. She was like, I'm having a midlife crisis. I think I want a real job and make real money. I was like, weird. How would you want to do that? You don't want to be a slave for the rest of your life. Either way, and so we had one other girl that was working for us. He'd been with us for about six months, and you know, she, you know, I sat her down. I said, you know, if this is something you want to try. Like, I can help you train you to, to fill that role or if you just want to kind of stay where you're at i'll hire somebody else to you know do that barn manager groom position she said no 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 i want to do it i want to do it I said, okay great and she quit today oh <laughs> too much for <laughs> too much for too much work so now i have no staff not one <sighs> she leaves on the she's she's staying through the 10th which is great at least through thanksgiving but after that i've got it's just me and dom so that's great. And then you've all been there and you're yeah. like, it's not fun. It's like the worst. And then we're supposed to be going to Hawaii tomorrow. And apparently Hawaii has got like all these ridiculous COVID restrictions, etc. And I went yesterday to get my COVID test, like a good girl. And the results still aren't back yet. It's been over 24 hours and I have to have these COVID tests, like results printed before I can get on the plane tomorrow. So I'm like kind of tweaking out. I mean, and are you going to visit your sisters? Can you yeah, go get a rapid test or does it need to be a PCR? No, it doesn't. It can't be a PCR. It has to be a NAAT test, which I had never even heard of. But the only other place I couldn't find, the biggest problem is where we live is so rural. Like it's really hard to find anywhere that'll do a rapid test that's like within an hour. So I went and had that test done. And then there is another one at the airport at my gate. Well, we were flying like through Dallas and but it was 200 bucks to get it done. And so I was oh. like, I guess I'll just sign up for this test like last minute. Well, and then on top of that too, right before we went to try on our, I was like, you know what? We should take the truck in. Like it's not feeling so good. And then like the day I'm taking it in, it gets stuck in fourth gear. And I was like, well, that's not good. And I drop it off and the guy's like, yeah, this thing needs so much work and a new transmission. Like I'm going to get it to He was like, I'm going to get it to where you can limp it home or limp it to a dealership and you need to get a new truck. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was like, 
dear Lord. I just can't catch a break. I know. Thank God for Jenny Brannigan. She let me take her truck to try on. Thank God for Jenny. Yeah, it's so insane. But either way, so I've just got a lot, you know, I got a lot of little things piling up, a few things, but it's fine. It's, you know, I feel like that's just how this game goes. I feel like it's like up and down. Exactly. You like have some really high highs and some really low lows and then. Yeah. And there's just like. It's just when it comes on, it comes on thick, you know, like never get yeah. too comfortable. That is. No. <laughs> You're like, I had such a good weekend. And now yeah. this. And here. But yeah, my rose is obviously I have that that top five at a uh, try on last weekend. That was really spectacular. Pretty awesome. So I wish you guys had seen my dressage test, though. It was woeful. Oh, wow. I, oh, I saw girl. the jumping and she was so good. Yeah, she was brilliant. Well, with the the dress, she actually warmed up really great, as they all do. And then what everybody says, they warmed up so great. Um, I won, I won the dressage. Yeah, won the dress up, warm up. But it had just started to rain, like it was drizzling, sort of when I went. And so the camera guy, who they had very close to the ring, had put a big plastic, like black plastic bag, over the whole camera, and like had cloaked himself. He looked like a freaking Dementor from Azkaban. I was like, what the hell is happening? And I came around that ring and she was like, absolutely not going in that oh, corner. No. no way. Not and going I, near I it. Got, yeah, I like got past him once. And then, of course, they rang me right into the ring. And so she was just like, it wasn't her fault. She just was so tense. Breathing fire. Yeah. And, the, and she was pretty good, actually. Like, well, I say she was pretty good. You know, she kept it together through all the trot work and actually stayed walking through all the walk, which was awesome. And she lost the plot a little bit in the canter, but mm. it's okay. It's okay. She re- She'll be she out of rede- the end. We redeemed ourselves in the jumping phases. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was good. I was really happy. Really, really happy for her. And I'm giving myself a small pat on the back, trying to be humble, but. I was pretty pumped about it. And no, it was so good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm just excited for next year. And we're actually, we're going to Wellington this year for January, which will be really fun. We'll and, be down uh, there. Oh, you are going to be down there? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, yeah, we'll see you. Yeah, I'll text yeah. you. Yeah, we're just trying to focus on that dressage and show jumping a little bit too. Where are you guys staying? We're staying at clients of ours, like towards the ocean and stuff. But we're going for the first two weeks for to cool. go to WEF. Yeah, to jump, so. That'll be perfect. Yeah. And then we're going to come back because we're actually just going to base in North Carolina this year. So I can go like two weeks on, two weeks off and not have like a permanent home because I feel like it's so hard to move to a facility and then go show for a couple weeks. So we're going to do Wellington for two weeks and then go to probably Ocala for February and parts of March. Yeah. 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 So yeah, just do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, it was so great to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it was Thanks really for fun. coming on. Thank it was you. so fun. Managed to get through my glass of wine, so that was good. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> we'll have to have you back another time, but thank you. Yeah, for sure. That was great. All right, guys. So we got a mailbag from Healy in our Facebook group. So I love this, and I really hope you have some good advice for her. So Healy says, I'm looking for a healthy midlife crisis. Is it possible to still be a working student for someone, even if you're 40 plus? Where would I start to make inroads? So Jess, I want to start with you. Do you have any advice? Is there <laughs> is there age discrimination when it comes to a working student or are you just looking for someone who's most qualified? You tell me. No, I think we're just looking for somebody that's most qualified. I think honestly, 
Facebook and Instagram and all that is actually social media in general. Like if you want to stay nearby, like home, like, I don't know what the situation is. If you have kids or whatever else, or you just want to look for something part-time, like I would go to social media and say, look, I'm looking for something, whatever, if it's part-time, full-time, want to bring a horse and be like, who's interested or just start messaging. You know, when you see things like we post ads about working students and we then get inquiries and they ask about what the situation is. And like a lot of times you don't know what people are looking for or what they'll do. And so I would just kind of start getting the word out is basically what I would do. Just say, Hey, look, this is what I'm interested in. These are my situations that I can do and I need to be close to home or I can travel. Like, and I think it's, totally good to go out and start something new. Like I would definitely embrace it and say, Hey, look, six months, three months, a year. And I'm sure there's people that find a program that works for you. And that's going to be the best thing. Ellie, do you have anything to add? Yeah. I mean, I would just agree. Like, I mean, my farrier and I were just talking about it today. There's a lady that works at a, just a like racehorse, a retired racehorse, like six, six stalls. And she makes 50000 a year and she only works four hours a day. So, I mean, I think that's like the gold standard. Like, I doubt anyone's going to be able to get that. But, I mean, she's she's 55, you know. I mean, I think at any, at any age, a working student who has knowledge is valuable to any organization or any operation. Definitely. So don't give up. And if you find mm-hmm. a way, Healy, let us know. Like, report back. Yeah, we'd love to hear what you do. So if you have a question you'd like for us to answer on air, you can send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the Heels Down Spark at bit.ly slash spark by HD. And please join us on Facebook. You can join our group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. We want to say thank you to all of our sponsors this week, Eagle Gold, Green Flower, Botanicals, and Candles for Burned Out Equestrians. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.